Welcome back to the Breath of Heaven podcast, friends. I hope you're having an amazing day. Whatever you're doing, wherever you're at listening to this, I hope that uh, just life is awesome, truthfully. Uh, we're going to jump into a message that I shared recently at a community worship night, and this was honestly a very real and raw night, both of worship and in the Word. So it starts out a little bit intense, um, but just I believe that this is a timely message about pursuing the heart of God and really our heart posture to stay in pursuit of Him as we know that He pursues us. So I hope that this stirs your faith and pushes you closer to the heart of the Lord. That song, Hallelujah, was written by a couple by the name of Nick and Rachel Billman. Born in America, they moved to Brazil. They've completely immersed themselves in the culture. They've learned the language. They live with the people. They eat with the people. They celebrate with the people and they suffer with the people. Do you know what their church services look like? It looks like a bunch of prostitutes, child sex slaves, They take women who are prostitutes off the streets and they host banquets for them and they set a table for them and they dress them beautifully and they put makeup on them and they tell them how much they're loved and they're adored by Jesus and they feed them and they give them gifts and they show them the love of Jesus. When you listen to the stories of that couple They're talking to kids the age of my daughter who've murdered people because they live in the streets and that's what they have to do to survive. And they tell them how much Jesus loves them and they tell them the truth. And they tell them that they're sons and daughters of God. And when they sing a song that says, hallelujah, you are worthy, they're not looking at a pretty church. They're not singing with a great sound system and air conditioning. They're singing on the streets, surrounded in needles, kids sniffing glue to get high to try to avoid the reality of their situation. Because they don't have families, and they don't have comfort. When I first heard that song, me and my friends latched onto it, and we would sing it everywhere. We would sing it in a home church, we would sing it in the back of my pickup truck, outside of Dairy Queen, at midnight. We would sing it at every church that we went and led worship at. We would sing it in downtown, outside in the dark. We would sing it in each other's living rooms. 
Hallelujah, you are worthy. We would fast and we would pray because our heart was to get closer to this man, Jesus. We would play and worship for hours until our fingers bled. Just being honest, I know this sounds really intense. Um, This is an intense night, I'm sorry. This is not my plan. I have blood stains on the inside of one of my guitars from spending time in worship with friends. Because it was too important to not stop playing. Because God was moving. And we were in unity singing to Jesus. I was showing my kids those little speckles the other day. I like when things are comfortable. And I don't think it's bad for things to be comfortable. We're trying to make this space comfortable. I just don't want to be a part of a church that values comfort over Jesus. And I'm not talking about any other church. I'm talking about this one and the one that's inside of my chest. When I used to travel and lead worship before Jess and I started doing worship together, I used to ask God whenever I would go to a new church, if he would just give me one person that would be there that really wanted to pursue his face. And there was almost always one person who when we would start worship would be on their knees and would be crying in a corner somewhere. And as soon as I saw that one person, I was like, I'm in good company. I don't know who you are, I don't know where you come from, but we're on the same team. There is a difference between God being all around us and God being among us in a present way. I say this phrase a lot if you've been here, but where people are hungry, they will be fed. This is the reality. God will meet people who are desperate for him where they are. Do you ever wonder why some people encounter God's presence and other people don't? All the time, I'll talk to people after worship and someone would be like, man, I met God tonight. And someone else would be like, I don't know. I came to church. Nothing happens when I come to church. And let me be clear, I've had many of those nights. This isn't like a judgmental thing. I've had many nights where I'm very distracted and I don't actually give my heart to him and I don't give my affection and my attention to Jesus and I miss him completely. 
In order to follow someone, you have to be close to them. Proximity is a big deal. How close you are to someone is a big deal. You know that with the disciples and Jesus, they were literally with him almost everywhere that he went, unless they fell asleep. (laughs) But they were typically with him everywhere. He was their rabbi. They traveled with him. They were as close to him as they could be. How do you become like someone if you don't spend time near them? You can't. A.W. Tozer said, I want the presence of God himself, or I don't want anything at all to do with religion. I want all that God has, or I don't want any. The way that I like to say this is the function without the Father is useless. Do you know why you were created? This is a big question, right? What is the meaning of life? Many people have balled a fist and put it on their chin and spent many a year questioning what the meaning of life is. And I don't mean to oversimplify it for some of you. (laughs) You were created to know God and be known by Him. That is the meaning of your life. That's what you were actually designed for. You weren't designed to be an equipment operator or a designer. You were designed to know God and be known by Him. That's the point of humanity. The core function of humanity is to have communion with God. Matthew 22, verse 37. And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. If I can lighten up the intenseness of myself at this moment, I apologize. Um, A friend of mine, a younger friend, was not too long ago engaging in a dating relationship. And... They had been together for maybe, I don't know, two, three weeks, maybe a month at the most. And she, when she had a chance, proceeded to tell him that she loved him. Unfortunately, his response was, I don't feel the same and I think that we should break up now. Loving God isn't a momentary decision. It is a lifetime of pursuing his heart as he pursues yours. It's praising him in the good seasons and in the bad ones. If I can give uh, a comparison to that story, do you know what the difference is between the three-week-old relationship that a young girl had some feelings rise up and a marriage that's been together for 40, 50 years? Is it the same definition of love for the young girl and the couple who's been through everything together? Why? Because love doesn't mean that she didn't have a spark of love for him. She could have. But love grows and it matures 
and it becomes real and it becomes tangible through the ups and the downs and the good and the bad. I had a friend a while back that in our friendship, we came into a challenging moment where we challenged each other. And he was like, I don't like this. I like when we had fun together. And I said, bro, you want like a, a high five friendship? That's not what makes a real relationship. A deep relationship is the relationship that challenges each other, that calls each other out, that, that speaks truth to lives, that lifts one another up, that shows up at your house when you're broken, when you lose a family member. That's what makes a friendship. That's what makes a marriage. When you go through sickness together, when you go through richness and poverty and life. We would all in this room agree that the couple who's been through a lifetime of ups and downs together most likely has a richer love than the three-week relationship that was one-sided. We can pause on that for a second. Romans 10, 9 and 10. I bet you half the people in this room could quote this. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. You ever stopped and read that slowly and thought about this verse? That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart. If I were to ask us to raise our hands, we would all say that we've heard that quoted and presented in a way that you say this as a prayer in a moment of your life. And that's when it matters. Much like the young girl who said, I love you in a moment compared to someone who spent a lifetime believing in their heart, confessing with their mouth. Are you any less saved when you say a prayer to ask Jesus in your heart? Of course not. But do you have a ton to grow in relationship with the Lord for the rest of your life? Oh yeah. And that's what makes this thing worth it. Revelation 2 to the church at Ephesus, Jesus says in verse 3, And you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake. He commends them. And have not grown weary, but I have this against you, that you have left your first love. The warning here is not to get so wrapped up in the things of God that we lose him in the process. Don't get lost in the function of relationship and ignore the one you had committed your life to in the first place. If we're honest, this happens even in marriages. You get wrapped up in the function of doing life together. If I can, every time I say something about my marriage, I feel like Jess is going to be mad at me later, but Jess and I had a moment, maybe a few years into our, our relationship, our marriage, where she said, babe, I feel more like your business partner than your wife. And honestly, probably every long marriage has had that moment where you become in, in the flow of the function of what you're doing and you lose just that tender affection of actually giving each other your heart consistently. And so for us, that was a quick course correction of we're not talking about business. We're not talking about any of this stuff. We are going to just 
give each other our hearts and grow close in that way again. But I think that we do this a lot with God. And to the point that I've started with tonight, we do this a lot because we're so comfortable. Religion in America doesn't cost you anything. You know what it costs you? The last couple hours on a Friday night. Then maybe you could have watched a movie tonight. This is what it's cost us tonight. Didn't cost you potentially your life. I just watched a movie where there is, they went to an underground training facility in China where these people that believe they are called to the mission field lock themselves in a building for two years, hidden, and they worship and they study and they learn the scripture. And at the end of the two years, two or four years, I think it's two years, at the end of, like, they don't see outside anything. They don't breathe fresh air. They live in this massive building that they're hidden away in, that they've kept them from the government and everyone else finding out about. And with the end of their two years, they buy a one-way plane ticket to another country, fully intending on dying for the gospel. They have no plans of return. That's when your religion costs you something. This is something completely foreign to us. Just be honest. I heard that and I was so convicted. At the risk of offending half the people in this room, if I haven't already been weird to you tonight, I believe that you can fall out of love with God. It's pretty clear in scripture that you can walk away from him. I've seen it happen many times. I've seen people that were in it for the honeymoon phase or for the obligation of it, and they didn't stay in love with him, and they walk away. To quote Tozer again, it says, I can safely say on the authority of all that is revealed in the word of God that any man or woman on this earth who is bored and turned off by worship is not ready for heaven. Have you ever thought about what you're going to do for eternity? Knit? Play pickleball? I'm just, I mean, come on, guys. Streets of gold, mansions. You're going to worship God for eternity. That doesn't mean you're going to sing along with us. But there's angels singing, holy, 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 circling the throne 24-7, day and night, night and day. I don't think it's just song for those of you who are like, I don't like music. Well, fine. I don't think it's just about music. You're going to be giving yourself unto God and enjoying him for the rest of eternity. That's the point. So if you don't fall in love with him on earth. Never mind. I'm going to stop there. So we know God and we pursue him to get off of the drama train. (laughs) But take it if you need it tonight. What do we do from that place? Matthew 22, to carry on what we read before. And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. 
Being with God literally makes you able to love people well. Matthew 10, verse 8. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the, le- the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you receive, freely give. Mark 16, verse 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. The disciples received the ability to walk out the commission by being with Jesus. You will not fulfill your calling without spending time with him. You might walk in your gifting, but you cannot fulfill your calling without spending time with Jesus. Frank Hartley said, the reason the church is in crisis today is because we have settled for the omnipresence rather than the manifest presence of God. There's a difference between his omnipresence in that he is everywhere at all times and that he is present in a moment in your life. 2 Corinthians 6.16 Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Psalm 139 verse 7 says, Where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. And if I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. God is everywhere. And as the old saying goes, you can't outrun God. He's all around us. He is around everyone, but he is not in everyone. Daniel and I were talking about New Age philosophy earlier. There are people that believe that God dwells inside of each and every human being, regardless of your faith, regardless of you accepting him or giving your life to him. That's not true. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you when he's invited to live inside of you. He does not force that. John 14, 16, I will ask the Father and he will give another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not know, it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. The Holy Spirit lives inside of the believer. He is both God and helper. In fact, we talk to the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray to the Father through Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. Say it again. We pray to the Father through Jesus, the sacrifice, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, can you get super wrapped up in this and say, well, I can't invite the Father's presence. It has to be the Holy Spirit. And I can't talk to Jesus because it's supposed to be creator God who's Abba Father. Do you have to get wrapped up in that? No, he's God. You can talk to him as God. You can talk to him as all of them. But it is significant to know the significance of all three of who he is. Tozer also said, the presence and the manifestation of the presence are not the same. There can be one without the other. God is here when we are wholly unaware of it. He is manifest only when and as we are aware of his presence. 
Maybe two, three months ago, I went and led worship at our church, and I walked in the doors on a Sunday morning, getting out of the car, had the kids, ran ahead of Jess and the kids to get inside so that I could get set up. And the second I opened the doors to the sanctuary, I was hit with, like, miraculous peace. You ever walked into an atmosphere and just felt the presence of God? I walked in and I felt the presence of God so thick and so strong. And I walked up on stage, I set my guitar down, and I took a moment with the Lord. And I said to myself, if I can just not mess this up this morning, it's going to be a really good morning. If I can just not get in the way of what's already happening in this room. The prayer team had been in, they had been praying, they had been interceding over the morning, and you could feel God's presence. My growing philosophy about ministry is to be invisible. That's the goal. I think that should be the goal for each and every one of us. When we stand in front of someone and we tell them about Jesus, we share our faith, we share the gospel, we don't want them to see us. We want them to see through us to the God who's inside of us. Bill Johnson said one time, and I thought it was brilliant, he said, the worst thing that can happen is someone has traveled and come to our church to meet the God of the universe, and they left meeting me. Bill Johnson also shares an example that I've held on to for many years, and he said, if there was a dove sitting on your shoulder and you didn't want it to leave, every step that you took would be with the dove in mind. Doves are super skittish birds. In fact, when we first, I first started coming in this building, there was two doves that had a nest right there. And when I would come in and worship, every time I would hit a string, they would peace out. And I was like, God, is that your presence leaving? No, I'm just kidding. But they're really flighty birds. So if you think about the Holy Spirit as a, descending as a dove and the significance of it, I think we've lost the fear and reverence of the Lord and the church. Will God leave you and forsake you? No. Should we honor and have reverence for his presence? Yeah. Yeah. I want, we're going to stand had um, a prompt from the Lord tonight to pray over the youth. So all y'all who sat in the back tonight, we're going to pray over you guys. But before we do, I want to read this. It takes 200 hours together for an acquaintance to become a close friend. The University of Oxford evolutionary psychologist Robin Dunbar said, Our relational spheres comprise of layers of people who fall into categories such as acquaintances, casual friends, friends, good friends, and intimate friends. While we can maintain roughly 150 meaningful relationships at a time, he suggests that only 50 of those people would be considered friends, and only five would be considered intimate friends. 200 hours of purposeful time to be considered an intimate friend. So my question for us tonight, how much time do you think is needed to have intimate relationship with God? And to take it further, how much time is needed to make him your most intimate relationship? When we spend time in worship and prayer, spending time with him, 
We are ministering to him and learning his heart. Just like you would purposefully pour into a friendship or your marriage or time with your children, relationship with God can't be one-sided. His heart is in pursuit of yours. My question is, are you in pursuit of his heart? Are you the one other person in the room who has showed up to pursue Jesus on any given day or any given night? Regardless of if anyone else around you is doing the same. Sometimes walking with the Lord is popular and sometimes it's super lonely. And I'll be honest, it ebbs and flows. You'll have seasons where you're surrounded by people saying the name of Jesus. And you'll have seasons where you're by yourself. And no one else gets it. But you know who's always there? Jesus is always there. You know who's worth more than any other human relationship you could ever have? Jesus. Thanks for joining us for this podcast, friends. I hope that it was encouraging to you. Honestly, I know that this was a bit of an intense message, but really, life can be intense. It's not always just sunshine and rainbows. A lot of times we actually go through really intense times, and it's good to have a reality check to know that the gospel isn't just for the perfect and the pretty church settings. It's to take into the world, and there is messy times and places that we get to go and share the love of Jesus. So, I hope that this encourages you to continue to pursue the heart of the Lord and of people. A couple quick announcements that we're excited about. We started our worship dance program on Monday nights. If you're in the area of Jamestown, Tennessee, you should come and check those out. There is a youth program and an adult program. Also, we've got more music in the works for Breath of Heaven Music. And if you want to find more teachings, music, dance, all the info for all of those things, you can jo- uh, visit us at breathofheaveninc.org. That is Breath of Heaven, I-N-C. And we will see you in the next podcast.